Christoph, really, really excited to have you on the Based Space. Um, my name is Mewtwo. I'm the founder of the Based Space, and I'm joined by Chase and Super High, my co-hosts. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you to have me here, and uh, I'm very happy to uh, talk to you. And uh, yeah, I'm very curious on all the questions and stuff you like to know. And uh, so go ahead and uh, yeah. Try your best <laughs> to uh, to bring me in trouble here. <laughs> nah, we're not we're not about bringing you in trouble, man. <laughs> we're we're not causing. We're promise we won't cause you any trouble. <laughs> um, well, you know, I always like to know, like, how'd you how'd you actually get started in uh, in crypto? Yes, that is um, quite a while. Uh, we have started uh, Etherisk uh, in 2015, 2016. That were the early days. Uh, and I'm actually um, an old man. I'm, I have gray hairs and uh, I'm 56 years old and I've worked most of my life in the German banking industry, uh, mostly uh, cooperative banks. Uh, so in German, Germany has a large uh, um, uh, area of uh, cooperative banks. So in total, uh, about a thousand of independent banks, which form a large uh, network. So actually, I think I, I would claim that uh, the German cooperative banks are one of the first decentralized uh, organizations because there is no uh, no lead. Uh, they have some shared uh, companies which provide shared services. And uh, so uh, the first 10 years I worked in the banks, the, the next 15 years I've been in a, a shared uh, IT provider, which is one of the largest in Germany and worked there for, as I said, for 15 years. And then I decided to start my own company uh, because that was the time when Ethereum came out. Yeah, And uh, so in 2015, Ethereum was uh, in its early stages. I think it was uh, Frontier was at the end and Homestead was beginning. And so it was the first time when uh, Ethereum started uh, actually uh, to go mainnet. And I remember they still had a big disclaimer on their uh, homepage. Uh, attention, uh, this technology is not safe. Yeah, be, be aware. And uh, so it took about one year until they removed this, um, this disclaimer. And so we started really early in the space. And uh, I remember one of my first uh, adventures was participating in this large Zadeo uh, project. Yeah, you maybe remember that was the large, uh, the first attempt to create a decentralized autonomous organization. It was started by uh, some people from the early Ethereum team, Christoph Jens, and uh, he's also a German living in Leipzig and Midweida. And uh, so I, I, I contacted him and told, uh, talked to him. And this, uh, the Deo was a project where you could um, you could uh, propose a project and then you could apply for funding. And uh, you maybe remember that was was 160 million dollars, a huge sum for that uh, these early days. And uh, so I was already applying for a grant for an insurance project. And that was the start of Etherisk. And uh, then in 2016, already we built the first uh, version of Flight Delay and it went live in the uh, DEF CON 2. 
Um, DEFCON 2 was the first uh, big conference where we presented this project and we got a, quite a lot of uh, good feedback and so we decided to make a, an ordinary business out of it and uh, we founded a German uh, company and we also prepared uh, the uh, launch of the DIP token which then happened in 2018. And uh, yeah, that took us a lot of time because uh, we wanted to do it right. And uh, I'm coming from the banking industry, so I knew, knew that regulations are very important uh, if you want to survive on long term. So we took every precaution to do the token sale right. And uh, I think that was also justified because what we have seen in 2017 and 2018, there were many tokens which actually were launched without a, a proper legal funding. And uh, so uh, from in, in the backside, it was good that we took uh, a lot of time to prepare this very uh, uh, cautiously and very um, with very high pr um, precaution and we were also supported by the same uh, legal uh, guys which helped to launch uh, Ethereum that is uh, MME lawyers in Switzerland so it took a long of time but in the end we were successful and uh, I think in backside it was a good decision yeah, so that were the early days of uh, is, is risk, and so maybe you just let me know what you want to know about it anymore. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks for giving us that overview. Um, at a very high level, for people that might not be familiar with Etherisk or the DIP token, you kind of touch on like the purpose, the purpose of the token, and how it fits, fits into Etherisk. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so the, the basic idea of the token was always to use it as a staking token. So staking is the uh, fundamental utility of the token. And staking can uh, be done in, in several respects. So uh, in, in a long story short, the idea is that everyone who wants to earn money on our platform, yeah, so we are an open platform and we invite uh, teams to provide services or provide products. So many people can jump on our platform and develop their own stuff and deploy it and uh, run their products. So everybody who wants to earn money on our platform uh, and uses the platform needs to stake uh, DIP tokens. So actually participate, have skin in the game, and uh, this is the main uh, functionality. And uh, so staking will happen in mainly in two areas. So one area is uh, the so-called risk pools. Riskful pool is a way of providing liquidity for insurance products. Yeah, uh, it's quite similar to, for example, Uniswap or other uh, liquidity uh, projects where you can uh, lock your tokens, lock your assets, and then you earn a certain uh, profit out of it. And the profit is fed from the premiums of people who buy insurance. So. Uh, on the on one side, there are the insureds, they, they buy policies, they uh, pay premiums. Uh, this money is collected in risk pools and uh, if all goes well, then uh, and the losses are not too high, then the investors in the risk pools will earn these premiums as a form of profit. And of course, uh, the, the products need to be calculated very carefully that uh, in, in a typical uh, period of time, there will always be a sufficient and attractive profit for the investors. 
So that is one big uh, area of uh, staking. The other area is for uh, people who provide other services, for example, Oracle services or data services or uh, distribution uh, services or whatever needs to be done to promote and build an insurance product. And all these people who also earn money on the platform because they will also receive, receive a share of the premium. Uh, all these people also need to stake dip uh, and uh, by staking dips they can participate they can use the platform uh, earn money and uh, so as long as they are active on the platform they will uh, need to lock a certain amount of dip tokens and uh, this of course uh, creates a natural scarcity for the dip token and that's also the reason why we think that uh, the uh, the more DIP tokens are locked on the platform, the higher uh, should also be the the value of the DIP token uh, because the uh, the um, uh, uh, how you say uh, um, the supply of uh, DIP tokens is limited, and uh, we will also uh, take care that uh, the supply is always in a certain re a good relation to the demand. And uh, so that would keep the price of the dip token stable or uh, in, the, in the key case, what we all expect that the price of the dip token will also appreciate and uh, more reflect what's actually the value of the platform. Hey, Christoph, could you uh, could you touch from like a philosophical perspective around the mis uh, the mission Dip is pursuing? Um, you know, I personally feel like it's a really noble effort to kind of build these products that are uh, essentially laying the groundwork for developing regions around the world to have access to you know these financial products to build a resilient economy. So I'd just be curious to hear um, your why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, from the beginning when we started Flight Delay, we have immediately realized that uh, flight delay as a single product is uh, very interesting as a pilot, but uh, the, uh, the opportunity of the whole space is much larger than just providing a single product. So from the beginning, we decided to not build a single product, but to build a whole platform. And because uh, if only we build products on the platform, it won't scale. So we need to build an open platform where anybody can enter. And uh, then it will also scale from uh, from the product side. And uh, so we have uh, invested a lot of time and effort in the last years to make this platform open. And uh, today I am very happy to announce that in the next week we will uh, we will publish the, the next version of our framework and the uh, uh, respective documentation. We have written a lot of tutorials, we have provided videos, and also the technical platform is now on a new uh, revised level where all of our learnings of the last two years have been incorporated, uh, the learnings from the Africa project and all of this. So uh, it will be possible to really use the platform and uh, start building first products. Uh, for one product, for example, will be the hurricane protection, which we have also quite a long time in development uh, with an independent team from Puerto Rico. And so this is uh, this is the core vision yeah, that there are independent teams working on insurance products uh, and they can use our platform and as a safe and reliable infrastructure to build their platform with uh, 
very low effort and very low investment. Uh, so the, the product development costs are really low. And uh, so the product can be very uh, competitive and the premiums low. And uh, this is actually the, the vision of the Etherisk platform, an open accessible platform, both for the insured, uh, but also for the product builders, which are of course the the core of the whole thing that we have uh, interesting products which cover real demand and uh, also offer solutions for a large large markets like like the example in Africa where we uh, have built a blueprint uh, for crop insurance which uh, currently works in Kenya but uh, the idea is that this blueprint can also be copied with very little effort for other countries. For example, currently we are working in Zambia. Uh, other other African countries are also in the pipeline, and so uh, that is how we want to work: yeah? to build uh, blueprint implementations of specific products, and then uh, find regions where we can copy this and uh, so extend the reach of the product to. Uh, a completely new level and uh, yeah so the, the platform thinking has always been at the core of our vision and of course we are also uh, uh, quite sure that only a blockchain technology will be able to provide uh, the, a large part of humanity with insurance products and uh, that, that has been proven also in, in our project in Africa uh, you know, the farmers there, they have no access to insurance product because the processing is too difficult. Uh, the processing costs are uh, eating up all the premiums. And so there is only little money left to cover the actual losses. And uh, with our platform, which is completely automated, uh, we can now uh, offer this product uh, for an affordable price and we can use uh, the, the larger part of the premiums to pay the losses. And that is also the one of the core principles of Etheris that we provide accessible products for people who have currently no ability to purchase insurance products. Did that answer your question, Chase? Yeah, I was just thinking about it. It's also, it provides kind of a uh, a really unique and efficient way for people to kind of uh, provide grants in a very efficient way um, without having to kind of like be like on the ground, right? Like if you want to like contribute a grant to like a specific um, network of farmers in a specific region, and it's kind of yeah. like you could, in a sense, provide them insurance coverage if you want to. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the idea is that, uh, of course, we are currently uh, still using traditional uh, payment systems, which are digital already. Yeah, for example, in Kenya, we are using the local M-Pesa system. This is a fully digital electronic payment system. But of course, this M-Pesa system is still based on uh, fiat currency. Yeah, So it's working with banks and uh, the uh, transactions are very fast, so it happens in seconds. Uh, and people have their money on their phones, so they actually don't need a bank account. Uh, but of course, it's still fiat money and it's still banks involved uh, on the large scale. Um, and of course, our idea and the, the 
good I, the good news is that our partners in Africa are also very open to this and looking into this the idea is that in the near future we could also provide each farmer with a digital wallet where he could keep uh, his assets uh, on his phone and uh, so we would not need uh, the banks anymore yeah so we would create probably a specific um, uh, digital stable uh, stable coin which could be used by the farmers to uh, pay for seeds and to pay for premiums uh, for insurance uh, pay for other services in the agricultural area and on the, on the other side they also would receive their revenue in this uh, new digital uh, currency from the wholesalers uh, who would uh, buy their their products and these ideas are already in the air so uh, not yet reality but many people in africa are thinking about this and uh, there are also many ngos which are working on this because uh, it would reduce the friction of payment systems um, to a great extent and uh, so we, we with our uh, platform we could seamlessly integrate with such a payment system and then we would be completely on chain yeah so we would remove uh, the necessity to uh, transfer money uh, then to uh, traditional fiat based payment system like like mpesa which still are great progress because they are paperless you know say Last week, we had the first payouts uh, for the first uh, um, cohort of uh, farmers. Uh, it was also innovative that it was the first time in history that uh, farmers received payouts during the season. And in the past, uh, if a farmer had an insurance at all, then he would receive a payout for losses maybe two or three months after the season had ended. And so at a point where he actually already uh, needed to plan for the next season and uh, with our new uh, platform we have now done the first payouts during the season so the farmer can even uh, uh, cover his losses and uh, provide uh, the uh, repair for the damages during the season and so he don't does not uh, lose uh, a whole season until he gets his payouts and so that is already happening but we think that there can be done a lot more by providing pharmacists digital wallets and digital uh, currencies and uh, so a lot more to do. And uh, for example, in the Zambia project, which is uh, upcoming, we are already building electronic wallets where farmers can not have uh, digital currencies. That's still a bit too early, but they get digital vouchers, which is something comparable. Yeah? But it's not not a full, full, fully uh, fledged um, currency. Uh, but a voucher is already something very close to a currency. Yeah? So the farmer gets a voucher, he can go to his seed provider, he can uh, use the voucher to uh, purchase seeds. And also if he has a damage, then uh, the voucher will be uh, loaded again. And uh, so actually we, we are starting this, uh, this circ uh, circuit of uh, moving assets around on chain. And uh, we are quite uh, optimistic that that will also finally end up in a digital currency model for farmers in Africa.
that's super exciting. Kind of just giving the unbanked uh, a way to pay for stuff, and the people have been left that have been left behind, exactly. kind of in these uh, world countries. So I had a question about the risk pool tokens. Could yeah. you go in on what tokens are and who who could buy these? Yeah, the idea is um, people, investors, uh, uh, lock values, so digital assets, stable coins, dip tokens in a risk pool. And um, in return, they receive uh, risk pool tokens in, very, in a very similar way than as you receive um, pool tokens, for example, on Uniswap. Yeah? If, if you provide liquidity on Uniswap, then you receive uh, pool tokens and uh, which represent your share of the pool. And the same will uh, be for our risk pools where you can invest money and you receive these pool tokens. And these pool tokens are ordinary ERC-20 tokens, so you can also trade them. Yeah? And that creates an interesting effect. So on the, other, on the one side, you lock your uh, digital assets in a risk pool to provide uh, cover for insurance risks. So money is locked. And of course, uh, an insurance policy has a period of uh, either a few weeks in the case of flight delay or maybe also six months in the case of a crop insurance. So the money is locked for this time. And uh, on the other side, investors want the flexibility. And by providing uh, investors with risk pool tokens, they can uh, sell their share on a specific risk pool at a market value. For example, if uh, you have a risk pool and uh, the weather is good and this risk pool covers uh, weather risks and you have a good season, then uh, your risk pool token will increase in value because uh, only a few payouts are expected. On the other side, of course, if the season goes bad, then the risk pool token will, uh, will lose in, in, in value. And uh, so there is a market value of risk pool tokens, uh, but also people could uh, then invest in uh, these uh, cheap risk pool tokens because maybe they have some um, uh, information that situation will improve in the future. And so it creates a new market for insurance risks and the insurance risks are then tradable. And that is something also which is new. Uh, in the traditional insurance industry, you have no way to, to trade insurance risk, except in very large tickets. Yeah? For example, uh, you have uh, a, a small market for so-called cat bonds. A cat bond is actually um, a security which represents a certain, uh, specific um, insurance for catastrophic uh, risks. And uh, these cat bond uh, securities are typically traded in bunches of $20 million or $100 million. So it's only for a very small circle of investors. So with our risk pools uh, tokens, anybody will be able to invest in uh, risk pools and uh, participate in the uh, trading of uh, risk pool tokens and yeah, that's, I think, also something which creates a new market and new opportunities and uh, also, of course, um, yeah, new, new ways to make uh, investments in insurance risks more flexible and uh, more fungible. That's super interesting. So while you were explaining that, something popped into my head. 
and this is just kind of playing like the devil's advocate side of it. Yes. What's to stop somebody from using something like harp to manipulate how the weather is going to be and then therefore manipulating their payout if the weather is uh, good and or bad? Yeah. Okay. So um, we are talking about oracles and uh, I think there is already, uh, there are solutions which uh, guarantee that oracles can, cannot be manipulated. Um, talking of Chainlink, for example, which uh, creates decentralized oracles uh, where many people participate in providing uh, the data for the uh, oracles. And uh, there is uh, something in crypto, we call it a shelling point. So if there is an objective data source, for example, for weather data, and there are many people providing data for this, uh, uh, for this specific information, then um, it's very difficult to manipulate because um, the, um, uh, if somebody cheats, there will be always a majority of people who uh, will uh, try to make the profits out of providing the correct data and cheaters will lose. Yeah? And uh, the more people participate in this uh, uh, decentralized oracle, the more difficult it is to, uh, to cheat and uh, to uh, influence the, the data. And uh, so that's also the way we, we are going uh, because the data itself is objective. Uh, weather data is available by public uh, satellites. Uh, they can be checked. Uh, so it's um, you would in any case you would very, see very quickly if there is somebody who would try to uh, manipulate uh, the oracle. And um, actually, if the uh, oracle is really uh, decentralized uh, over a lot of parties, then it becomes uh, really difficult to uh, to actually. Um, the cost of the manipulation are very high in comparison to the possible profits. And uh, of course, we will investigate this. And we, uh, as, as you have seen also in the uh, basic blockchain, there have been many attempts to, for example, for 51% um, attacks on certain chains. Uh, but in total, these uh, attacks have been very quickly detected and uh, if you look at all the uh, what has been happening in blockchain in the last few years, then the number of these fundamental attacks have been very low in comparison to other uh, attacks like Ponzi schemes, scams, and so on. Yeah, so there have been a lot of these social attacks, but only a very few uh, serious technical attacks, like 51% attacks. But of course, we need to take care for this. Hey, Christoph. Um... <laughs> Staying on the, the topic of oracles and smart contracts, could you kind of walk us through from a like um, conceptual perspective how uh, these immutable and encryptable smart contracts decide uh, policy underwritings and the payouts of certain policies? Um, I think that's like a really key point of like how this kind of whole system like works. Yeah, so the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the core information of each insurance policy is written on blockchain. And uh, this creates an immutable record of this policy. And 
also each uh, state change of this policy is recorded on blockchain. So we not only keep uh, the pure existence of a policy on chain, but also we keep every single step in the processing of this policy on chain. And um, maybe you have seen it, we have not yet published it, um, uh, but uh, some people have already uh, noticed that we are providing a so-called GIF monitor. And the GIF monitor is a website which works like a block explorer for our GIF framework. Uh, it's, uh, you can open it under gif-monitor.etheris.com. And there you can see a full transparency of the current system. You see the products, you see the policies, you see every single step of each policy and stage. And uh, of course you can uh, click on each transaction and uh, see it live uh, on the currently, we are working on the XDI chain. So uh, transparency is uh, very important here. And uh, of course, the system itself, uh, we are working on, on the auditing of the system. Uh, so I think uh, the auditing is still in the, in the work, but uh, after we have finished this, we will have a very secure system, which uh, actually is uh, impossible to manipulate. And it's also a very simple system. Yeah, we are, from the technological perspective, we are using much simpler algorithms than, for example, the, the other DeFi projects like Aave or Curve or whatever. These have very complicated uh, algorithms uh, to, to calculate their pricing and so on. So on this side, we are much simpler and uh, much simpler means also much more secure uh, because uh, if you have a simple system, it's easier to understand, it's easier to audit. And so I think uh, I have, actually not much uh, concerns that our platform will in any way be uh, subject to attacks or something. Of course, it may be happen, but we will, of course, mitigate this. But in total, uh, I think uh, the more complex the protocol is, the more uh, uh, options there are to manipulate it. And you have seen, for example, the whole discussion in the DeFi space on minor extractable values and things like this, which uh, can happen if you have DeFi protocols, which are very time sensitive. And these are all attack vectors, which are not um, um, applicable for our protocol. So maybe there are others we will see, uh, but many of the, the traditional, the typical attack vectors in DeFi are not valid for us. And so uh, I think we are quite safe on this side. Yeah. Also, could you, um, we have like a, we, we have a ton of link Marines in our community. I'd be curious, could you touch on the relationship uh, that Ethersic has with the actual uh, like link token and the use cases that it provides for you guys and how it helps facilitate yeah. um, your own project? Exactly. Yeah. We have uh, been working with Chainlink for uh, over a year now. And uh, last year, uh, we provided the first uh, pilot of flight delay with a Chainlink Oracle. And in our current plans, um, the, uh, the flight delay product will also use uh, Chainlink Oracles. The same applies for uh, the crop insurance in Africa, um, which is a bit more complicated because the 
the pricing of the Africa project is much more complex than the pricing for flight delay. So it creates quite some challenges to uh, build the oracles for this, but we are uh, quite confident. Currently we are using an off-chain solution, but next step uh, will be in the next season that we fully integrate also the Oracle workflow in the Africa project uh, with chaining oracles. And uh, so, yeah, we are, uh, we are not, uh, of course, um, exclusively uh, linked to uh, Chainlink, uh, but we think that Chainlink is uh, for sure one of the most prominent and most professional uh, project in the space. And uh, currently we see no reason to uh, move to a different uh, Oracle provider. But you may need also consider that uh, we are not the only product providers. So if there is some provider which either provides his own Oracle or decides to build uh, with a different Oracle provider, then he will be always free to do so. Um, I think everybody should make his own decision. We, from either side, uh, we are uh, partnering with Chainlink, and I think uh, that will be that will stay so because Chainlink is very supportive also to Isaris. They have given a grant to us uh, for the Africa project, and uh, they have of course tons of experience with building oracles, and uh, so we can profit from this experience. And uh, yeah, we are super happy to. Uh, be in this cooperation with Chainlink, and uh, I hope all the best that uh, Chainlink will uh, continue its success story. And uh, maybe you've also heard uh, Vitalik uh, has also um, proposed that uh, Chainlink and Uniswap um, build uh, further build their strong position. Uh, for uh, the um, Ethereum community. And uh, yeah, so that's our link uh, to Chainlink. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, we, we hope that we together we get, uh, 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 or we will perform more uh, successful projects together with uh, the Chainlink will provide the Oracle layer and we provide the insurance layer. And looking forward to this. Could you also touch on how these decentralized oracles like Chainlink um, incentivize claims assessors? Yeah, the I think the 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 idea is that first of all, uh, Chainlink itself uh, provides incentives for oracle providers, and uh, of course the. Uh, the these oracle providers are paid by people who uh, who uh, consume the data in the end and uh, insurance products are one consumer of these um, uh, oracles data yeah? so the, the 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 cash flow looks like this uh, people pay for uh, their insurance policy they pay premiums a certain amount of this premium is then used to pay for the oracles and in this uh, way also they, this will um, uh, provide a profit for the Chainlink Oracle providers. Uh, and the rest of the premium is then used in the risk pool to cover the actual losses and also provide rewards for the risk pool uh, liquidity providers. So the premium has many, uh, uh, so to say, many 
different parts. Yeah, one part to pay for the cost for services like oracles, one part to cover the underlying uh, fundamental risk of the product, and the last part is the reward for the risk pool investors. And that is actually quite similar to a traditional insurance. So the the the, the the way the premiums are divided and distributed to the different uh, builders of an uh, insurance product is uh, quite similar to traditional insurance. But the friction is lower and also, of course, the, uh, the time to market of a new product is much lower. Uh, because once a product is uh, deployed, then it can be changed in, in, in a few uh, minutes or seconds. And uh, we, we can also build products which uh, are self-regulating in the way that uh, the demand for the uh, insurance product would directly influence the premiums and the pricing of the model. And so everybody has an incentive to, uh, to promote this product because then everybody will have uh, higher profits from this product. And on the other side, uh, if the pricing is too high, then uh, uh, this would also decrease the, um, the distribution of the product. So the builders of the product have also an interest to provide a competitive pricing for the insureds. So in my vision, the future insurance product, uh, product would be completely self-regulated. Yeah? So it, the pricing would be just dictated by the uh, uh, by the relation of supply and demand and uh, the smart contract would then uh, in real time uh, adapt the pricing to the actual demand for this product. <clears throat> That's super interesting. So moving on to uh, the products, could you touch on the social insurance product? Yeah, the social insurance product was actually quite early uh, pilot from us. Uh, it was uh, part of a project which was uh, started by the United Arab Emirates in, I think, 2017. Uh, there has not been much going on uh, on this area uh, in the last few years, uh, but now with the Sambia project, we are again coming closer to this because uh, Sambia project is crop insurance. Uh, quite similar to the Kenya project, uh, but with a much higher uh, share of government subsidies. So actually, uh, this new project in Zambia has also uh, the aspect of a social insurance uh, because the government is paying uh, the premiums or a large part of the premiums to make the product affordable and also to uh, bring people on the product. And so I think the what, what we will probably not do is a pure social insurance uh, except uh, a government would decide to uh, commission us with such a product. Uh, but in the end, uh, social insurance is probably in many cases government driven and that's not the area where we want to uh, become uh, or where we want to spend currently our energies. Uh, so it's more a byproduct, uh, for example, to crop insurance and uh, not so much uh, a single uh, uh, product which is uh, sold in uh, as as such yeah and uh, so uh, we will we will see how things develop here in zambia and then we make uh, we decide uh, if it makes sense to develop this further 
So touching on crop insurance, um, on your timeline, it mentions that in November, you guys will partner with Chainlink to deliver crop insurance in Kenya. Yeah. And then in December, earn support from the Ethereum Foundation. Can you touch on this a little bit? Yeah, so uh, the crop insurance in Kenya is already live now. And uh, as, as I mentioned, you can also uh, see it, uh, for example, in the GIF monitor, uh, where we have the first policies uh, on chain and also the first payouts triggered last week. Uh, there are some uh, regulatory issues currently, which we are solving. Uh, in total, we have about 17,000 policies uh, sold there. And in the next, uh, in the course of the next days, we will gradually uh, deploy them on chain. And uh, uh, I think the total number of payouts, what we see from the current data is about um, 6,000 payouts out of 17,000. So quite one, one third of the farmers will receive a payout. Um, yeah, and the uh, the idea is that um, together with the cooperation of Ethereum Foundation and Chainlink, we will uh, build out this product to uh, actually a blueprint for crop insurance for um, developing countries. So it's uh, it will not be only be used in Kenya, but also for for other countries, and that's also what Ethereum Foundation is very interested in because they. Uh, they, they have a strong um, vision of uh, providing uh, people who are unbanked or uninsured with uh, solutions. And so they have a high interest, interest to uh, help us with this product. Pro, uh, project. And uh, I think for chaining, it's also the main idea that, that we prove that uh, chaining oracles can be successfully deployed in the insurance industry. and. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the idea behind these two grants. Thank you. Um, could you also touch on the collateral protection for crypto-backed loans? Would that involve like an Ave? Uh, yeah, that that is a project which we currently have on hold uh, because um, we have we have a lot of um, solutions for this already, like Nexus Mutual. And it's very specific business. And uh, as you know, we are focusing more on uh, the real world risks and not so much on the crypto native risk. Uh, and so for us, it's more a question of prioritization. Yeah. So uh, as soon as we have the other projects uh, launched and running, uh, then we will also consider to um, to provide, uh, of course, uh, protection for crypto native risks. We have, for example, we had a, uh, a cooperation with Gnosis. Gnosis is the one of the largest and best uh, wallet providers for Multisix. And uh, the Gnosis Multisix have uh, something like $2 billion uh, secured. And Gnosis is all also uh, thinking about, for example, a crypto wallet insurance, and uh, so also crypto native risks. And uh, but we have Christoph, I think you accidentally muted uh, your mic. If you go to the bottom left of your phone, there should be a microphone button. Uh, hello, back again. Yes, we can. Yep. Can you hear me again? Yes. 
<laughs> you, you only cut off for a few seconds. Okay. Yeah, my 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 Air, AirPods uh, have uh, are low on battery, so I have now. Uh, I'm directly using the phone now, so I hope it works uh, in the same way. Okay. So, what was the last question? Uh, what what did uh, what you understood? Yeah, you were you were just touching on how you you were working on real world use cases better than the crypto native, which honestly is very noble yeah. as well, rather than. Just forgetting the real world use cases and going straight to crypto because we're in such a booming yeah. stage um i think is really cool so <clears throat> in saying that the i guess the last product i have a question about is the mm -hmm. hurricane protection and if and if you could just go in yeah, on that protection it has been developed by an independent team on puerto rico um team they the name is team raincoat and i they have a first uh, live product which they sell now in cooperation with a local insurer but they are also uh, super hot on, on bringing this on blockchain and uh, so I um, hope that we will uh, bring hurricane protection live before the hurricane season starts actually this year so in, in August or September is the, uh, the hurricane uh, season and um, we want to bring this out uh, before uh, hurricane protection is from the product side it's very simple yeah you have uh, wind speed which is um, uh, derived from satellite data and uh, so there is a, uh, from the US government they have a very high resolution of um, um, wind speed data for this area of course because they are also affected in Florida and uh, also in New Orleans and areas like this. So the, the data situation is uh, actually really uh, perfect. Yeah, you have perfect data. And uh, the team has been working on a statistical model. So uh, currently we have a direct uh, model where we can map uh, wind speeds to damage and uh, to payouts. And uh, the pricing is also quite attractive and uh, with an insurance premium of about uh, $200, you can receive payouts to up to $5,000. And the, the crucial point here is that these payouts uh, will be done in real time. And that is exactly what people need. Yeah? The, the many people have hurricane insurance in, the, in this area, but the processes are super uh, slow. Yeah. So if there is a hurricane and you have a hurricane insurance protection, then it will take typically six months to a year until you receive your payout. And uh, during this time, you have no way to cover for your losses. And the uh, hurricane protection what we provide uh, will um, cover this gap. And the payouts are immediately. So hurricane passes by and wind speeds are calculated. And the day after uh, we receive this data, then we can trigger the payouts and uh, people receive their uh, their their money. And that uh, is uh, super important for people uh, which have lost all of their uh, their assets and their housing and everything, that they have a quick support and that they can start to bridge uh, this time, this difficult time where they need to rebuild everything uh, with an immediate payout. So uh, that's what we are doing. 
And uh, because it's so simple, we, we are actually quite optimistic that we will launch this product in the next few weeks, uh, punctual to the start of the hurricane season in Puerto Rico. Awesome. Hey, Christoph, I want to switch gears uh, here for a second and kind of briefly touch on your partners that you guys have listed on your website. Um, I believe this is how you pronounce it. Is it is it Aon or is it on? Aon. Aon. Okay, Aon. Okay. Uh, could you could you touch on who Aon is generally, uh, and then also just how is Etherstick working with um, Aon? Yes, of course. Um, uh, Aon is uh, the world's largest insurance broker, and we have uh, been in a cooperation for quite a long time. Uh, one uh, of uh, one guy from the management board of Aon is also part of the Decentralized Insurance Foundation and uh, part of the Foundation Council. Uh, so we have a direct uh, contact to the management of Aon. And um, Aon has funded the Sri Lanka crop insurance projects uh, in the last two years. And uh, so they are quite supportive. Uh, on the other side, um, Aon is a huge company yeah it's really huge and uh, so maybe if you have worked with huge companies then you know that uh, they have a lot of money and they are all, all probably very interested in, in innovation but on the other side uh, decisions take a long time and so we were super happy that we have that we received this funding for the, uh, the Sri Lanka project which was our first project with current insurance at all um, so, um, but but now uh, Aon is um, uh, not directly involved in the current projects. Uh, we are uh, the, the corporation is currently focusing on the uh, supply chain uh, business. So uh, Aon has some large customers in, the, for example, in the food industry, and uh, food industry is closely linked, of course, to. Uh, the producers of crop and foods and the food industry has uh, quite a lot of interest to provide uh, protection for these farmers because if the farmer is protected then also uh, the supply chain will be more resilient and so there is quite some research uh, going on with the specialists of Aon uh, but that this research is currently not uh, mature to implement this in, in a real product. But uh, the idea is that at some point we would uh, provide a specific variant of crop insurance, which is then uh, funded by the uh, participants of a specific supply chain, for example, for coffee, uh, think of these uh, coffee capsules. Uh, and the idea is also that uh, the, the producers of these uh, coffee capsules would then uh, be able to um, uh, to that that the the consumers the end consumers of this coffee would participate in the financing of the the farmers and so that that is part of the social responsibility strategy of these food companies which are uh, obviously um, uh, they have a large demand in providing uh, or in, in, in 
showing their social responsibility because in the past they have not always been uh, on the good side and they try to change this and they try to, to prove that they are also uh, caring for their uh, producers and um, so that is part of this uh, overall strategy uh, but as I said it's not yet mature uh, we are working on these projects and uh, these projects also involve other parties which are building uh, supply chain uh, solutions which are based on blockchain which track uh, the uh, food delivery and transport and uh, so it's quite complex but promising yeah and uh, so with aeon we have also uh, the, the, the uh, one of the largest uh, players in this field and um, yeah we hope that I think we may have lost you there for just a moment. Tone interfered. So, what is anything what you need not did not understand? So then I can repeat. No, I I think you're you're just uh, wrapping it up. Okay, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing anything. So, um, well, in addition to Aon, you also I believe you guys are partnered with uh, is it Generali, which is another large uh, Generali. Yeah, Generali is the. Uh, that was a cooperation in research of uh, a solution for crypto wallet insurance. Uh, this cooperation has uh, uh, put on hold currently. So we are not actively working with Generali anymore. They are still on the homepage because uh, we have not finished this uh, cooperation, but uh, there is no, no, no active pro. Um, uh, no active uh, project going on currently. Yeah? So maybe we will revive this at some point. Uh, same as for Aeon, uh, Generali is a large company moving very slow and takes a long time. And uh, currently we are also more than busy with, uh, with uh, crop insurance, flight insurance, staking. And so we put this project uh, on hold for the next time. Uh, but for sure, at some point in time, we will also uh, re-intensify this relationship. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for uh, for diving into that uh, on, a, on a deeper level. The last one I want to talk about, and I think you may have touched on it earlier in the episode just a little bit, but um, Acre, or Acre Africa, um, how I understand it, you guys are currently insuring over just under 2 million uh, farmers. Um, yeah. So I just wonder if you could just dive in a little bit on that, that effort. Yeah, the, the, uh, we are not ensuring all of the 2 million customers of Acre Africa. Uh, we are currently working on a specific product, which is the parametric crop insurance uh, product, which is called Bima Pima. Uh, maybe you have seen uh, the video on this, uh, in the, which we published in the last uh, few weeks. And uh, we have a, another video, which is much more detailed also on the process and the exact processing of the product, which will go live, uh, I think, next week. Uh, we will also see how it uh, interacts with blockchain and all these uh, details, which are, of course, super interesting. And uh, so uh, this Bima Pima product is currently offered to uh, 17,000 farmers. And uh, if this goes uh, right in the next weeks, which we expect because it's actually running fine, 
then uh, Acre will decide if we would roll out this product in the next season to a larger uh, set of their customers. And uh, so there are other crops, there are other uh, products with uh, other areas. And uh, so one by one we will uh, go. Uh, and uh, the idea is that uh, in the future, Isaris will provide uh, the main in, uh, technical infrastructure for Acre Africa. And uh, the interesting thing here is that uh, we not only remove uh, the manual steps in the relation between Acre Africa and the customers, but we also remove much of the manual work which is currently done inside Acre Africa, for example, the uh, connection between the actuarial department and the uh, the product, uh, the payouts calculations, this is completely automated and it is the first time that that has been automated inside Acre Africa and so this provides also a huge uh, potential for Acre Africa. And um, on the other side, Acre Africa is uh, a subsidiary of Zebri. Zebri is uh, one of the largest reinsurance companies in East Africa. And um, Zebri has itself positioned as a leading uh, technological innovator in East Africa. And Acre Africa is actually the, uh, the entity which uh, bundles all these uh, activities. And so we are. Uh, Quite happy that Eka Africa has chosen us as their main technical provider and uh, moving more and more of their technical infrastructure to the Isaris platform. And so it's looking quite promising. But uh, of course, it will take some time until uh, the, the customer base of Eka Africa will move uh, one by one to the Isaris platform. Very cool. Um, switching gears to more of the future of Etherisk, um, what developments are you personally most excited about for the rest of 2021? Yes, the uh, thing what we are most excited upon is uh, launching uh, the, the risk pools. So uh, because we believe that the risk pools are actually the most interesting part of the whole insurance value chain. Yeah? So, if you know the insurance business, then there are many uh, ways how you can earn money with uh, insurance. But the core, the, so the, actually the engine of this whole uh, business is the risk, the actual risk transfer. And risk transfer is uh, represented by risk pools. So risk pools are actually the, 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 the holy grail of insurance um, business. So uh, as soon as you have risk pools live and um, working with uh, some of our products like Flight Delay and also uh, Acre Africa, then we have actually accomplished our the large part of our mission and the rest is only scaling. Yeah? So <laughs> it's, uh, I think uh, bringing out risk pools is probably the most exciting part of our journey for the rest of the year. And um, because then we are actually complete and uh, from the technical platform and uh, yeah, the rest of the mission will then be to scale it to, uh, to scale it to all of the markets uh, which are um, actually promising and um, yeah, and see what we can do with uh, more teams on board and more people involved. 
Yeah, yeah, that's super exciting. I uh, definitely agree. Uh, it's kind of like insurance-linked uh, securities in a sense. So, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be massive. Um, and from your perspective, like, where do you see Etheris going in the next five years? Like, what's your, what's your vision, long-term vision for the company? Yeah, so actually we want to become uh, the, uh, actually the platform for decentralized insurance, um, which is used uh, by, by any team which builds decentralized insurance products. And uh, so we want to uh, become uh, the market leader in, in this uh, area, especially uh, for the area of uh, real world risks. And um, actually from what I see, and maybe, maybe may correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but currently I don't see any other crypto project which is uh, dealing with insurance risks uh, for real world risks. And so the, the market is huge, the opportunity is huge, uh, we have the first live products now. Uh, we have a concrete vision uh, for implementing uh, the core uh, insurance uh, value chain with the risk pools. And uh, yeah, so I think there's plenty to do in the next five years and uh, I can't wait to until we uh, see more of it. Yeah, uh, ab absolutely. Do you think first mover advantage is what's going to give you the monopoly on the market or are there other factors that you think will um, ensure your success? Yeah, so I think um, what I would uh, like to have is more serious people in the blockchain space which are uh, working on real products because uh, we are. We have a team of high-skilled professionals uh, at either risk on each of these uh, different areas, from uh, insurance, actuarial services, technology, uh, developing applications. So we have the network with large partners uh, in the space. But uh, what I what I what I would like to have is uh, people who try to adopt uh, blockchain solutions for real-world applications and that is still lacking yeah so uh, it's a similar sit um, situation like uh, in 2020 yeah when uh, remember what what we, we had early 2020 yeah there was DeFi was already uh, coined the word uh, of DeFi, but there were only a few projects which were actually developing uh, a solution. Maker was one of the first, but uh, there was uh, no no uh, no way to get, to get loans uh, on chain and so on. Uh, and then, in 2020, we have seen a huge uh, wave of new projects providing DeFi services. And my hope is that we would see the same development for the decentralized insurance space. So actually a huge number of projects which explore these opportunities for decentralized insurance and work independently on uh, innovative solutions, uh, more data, more oracles. Uh, and uh, of course, we, uh, we expect that Isoros will play an important role in all these processes here. In the same way, like Maker was, uh, for example, the pacemaker for the, uh, the whole DeFi uh, uh, platforms. And we hope that the same uh, what Maker was for the DeFi space that Isoros will be for the decentralized insurance space. So the pacemaker of this development 
Um, uh, but of course, we need more than only uh, a team of 20 people to develop all these solutions. Yeah, a hundred percent. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess uh, um, what my last future question I have is like, what impact do you think these insurance protocols like Etherisk will have on society when we look back a decade from now? Um, basically, how, how do you think that they were will change our world? Yeah, the I think the the most uh, impact we will have in countries which currently have no a big market for insurance solution, especially for the ordinary people. So in these spaces, uh, I think we will have the most impact. So uh, maybe I've read this famous book of um, this uh, Nobel Prize um, guy. Um, I don't know his name, but I know the title of his book. It's called Poor Economics. And he discusses uh, microinsurance. And um, in his book, he states that um, actually from, from his point of view, microinsurance uh, should be a success. But he also states that even if there are many attempts to bring microinsurance to the market, it has, had, has not been that successful in the last years, mainly because the processing costs are too high and uh, there is a trust, trust issue. Yeah? People in developing countries, they have often... Uh, a mistrust in the official agencies and organizations. And so I think we could solve both aspects. We could bring more efficiency uh, to this market and we, ca we could solve the, the trust, trust issue uh, because everybody can uh, see the state of his policy and uh, the, the whole terms and, uh, and also see the, the real-time payouts. And uh, this will change the uh, situation dramatically. And so I think there is a, a big opportunity for us to provide real impact for society in these, uh, in these uh, uh, countries. And uh, yeah, we will see. Um, a lot of work still to do. And, um, but we are optimistic that we will do this. And uh, with Echo Africa, we have very concrete signals that uh, this strategy uh, goes, out, goes out very well. Yeah, absolutely. This, tech, this tech, type of technology is going to be a really big game changer uh, for a lot of individuals. Exactly. It's very, very exciting. Um, did we see a DM uh, from Canuck asking if uh, the DIP token is going to be listed on other DEXs other than Uniswap? Any plans for that? All right, yeah, we are listed on, on Honeyswap, um, uh, on XDAI. Uh, of course, we will also uh, start talking to maybe uh, if there is some interest to one of the larger uh, centralized exchanges as, because we always have said as soon as we have the live products and we will also consider going on a larger exchange. Uh, so that will be sure uh, something what we will consider in the next uh, six months. Um, but of course, you also know that is, uh, uh, it uh, costs a lot of money to get on one of the larger exchanges. And we don't want to spend the money of our investors for um, uh, paying fees for one of these exchanges, uh, but uh, it's a difficult um, decision to make. Yeah? And uh, we are 
favorite of decentralized exchanges. We don't ignore the, the, the possible impact of uh, centralized exchanges also on the project. This could also be a positive impact. And so we will uh, probably uh, discuss this in detail in the next few months and then uh, make a decision. It's a decision which has to be made by the Decentralized Insurance Foundation, where I am the president of, but we have five other members in the Foundation Council. So there is a broad um, uh, portfolio of different people with different standpoints and so we need to come to a, a consensus on how to proceed here uh, we will certainly talk about it yeah that i can promise awesome um did want to be cognizant of your time um are you open to having uh guests come on one at a time and, and ask you questions one-on-one -on -one or uh how, how are we looking on time yeah we can go let's go on let's do it uh if you guys want to request one at a time i'll let you i'll let you guys on uh, i do see we have semper waiting for us i'll let him on hey super while he's connecting do you want to just go over that the tweet that you shared <clears throat> oh yeah about him speaking at uh smartphone yeah Yes, I think that'll be super interesting to hear from you. And there's, I think it's what, 200 people speaking at SmartCon. So, so that'll be really interesting what you have to say there. Um, could you give us kind of like a brief overview, unless they have you like under an NDA, about what you're going to speak about? Yes, I uh, <laughs> I have not yet made a, a final decision on what to talk about. It will surely cover the field of oracles. Of course, it's a Chainlink uh, conference, so I, I'm obliged to talk about oracles. Uh, so there's a lot of to talk about, and but I want I will try to give an overview on uh, the uh, work of EtherRisk and the current state of the project um, as well. So uh, I will cover AK Africa, I will cover flight delay, and uh, I will cover risk pools, and of course uh, the focus of the talk will be how uh, the chaining oracles will connect to all these uh, different aspects of our platform. Super interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that. Semper, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hey, Christopher, I first want to say thank you so much for being willing to come on uh, Base Space and um, answer questions, especially with the clarity that you have. I think a lot of project leads come on and they, they want to be vague with answers and you've clarified uh, so much and uh, to, to, to truth. And I, I really appreciate that. I got a couple of just real quick questions. I don't um, necessarily look to take a lot of your time, but first of all, are the, are the pools you're talking about, are those native to your platform or are you looking to partner with a Bancor or a Uniswap for those? Uh, I think these need to be uh, native uh, pools uh, on our platform for a simple reason. Uh, the risk pools for insurance uh, need to be deeply connected to the underlying risks. And these risks are uh, insurance policy or are represented by insurance policies, which have a starting and an end point. Uh, so we need to do an accounting of these risks uh, in respect to the risk pools. So we need to always to be transparent on which risks are active, which risks have expired, which claims have been paid out, 
uh, and this uh, cannot be done by just adopting a standardized uh, pool on Bancor or one of the other uh, providers. Uh, of course, uh, there is a second layer. Uh, for example, uh, you, know, you all know that uh, most insurance companies just don't keep their money just on a uh, that bank account, but they invest their money. Yeah? So if, we, if the risk pools become large enough, then uh, we probably need to think about investing these collected money in certain asset um, um, types. So uh, I'm thinking, for example, of something like Melonport, or um, which is an automated asset management system, or something the like, uh, where the assets of a risk pool would be reinvested and uh, to uh, to increase the profit margin of the investors. And uh, this is a very interesting area. And if you know um, uh, Warren Buffett, then uh, there is a famous uh, quote of him where he says, uh, during his lifetime, he earned most of his uh, money by investing the float of his insurance companies. The float of an insurance company is actually the money which is not immediately needed for paying out losses uh, or other uh, costs. So typically uh, the float of an insurance company is a huge amount of money which needs to be invested and uh, it's actually free money. And uh, on the other side, investors of course expect uh, um, the maximum possible profit. And so in reinvesting this uh, collected money will be uh, an important aspect of future risk pools. And that's also one reason why we want to keep the, 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 the base layer of these risk pools in our own ecosystem, because then we have the, opportunity, the option to uh, design this whole process uh, from scratch uh, in a way which uh, is uh, in the best interest of our investors. So, um, yeah, we will, of course, uh, watch the space and, um, but uh, as I said, uh, for some fundamental reasons, uh, the, the first uh, layer will probably be our own implementation and not uh, standard product. That's great. Thank you. Um, secondly, are the, um, you mentioned the DIP token and that your platform naturally is more of a development platform for other insurance entities to kind of develop products. Um, using so is if I understood correctly, is the dip serving as kind of a licensing that they have to pay, or are they are they buying and staking that? What could you explain a little bit better what they're using the dip token for and how it's required for them? Yeah, the the dip token is actually like uh, um, the the, uh, the 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 asset what you stake to participate in the value chain. So you don't pay for the for participating, but you stake. Uh, so if you stop using the, uh, this value chain, then you get your tokens back, so they are not lost. Uh, but at, as long as you profit from the platform, you need to lock your tokens or a part of the tokens. Uh, and uh, by this, you recreate this uh, demand for tokens, which is essential for the value of the token. And um, so... Uh, Maybe we will also uh, charge a certain service fee, but our idea is, of course, that um, uh, the the central platform and the basic uh, framework should be uh, free of uh, fees. Yeah, in the same way, like uh, for example, Ethereum itself is uh, free of uh, fees. 
the uh, the only fees which exist on the Ethereum platform are the transaction fees, which are charged by the miners, which provide a certain service. But for example, you, you, you if you deploy a smart contract, then you don't pay a fee for translating the smart contract, or for uh, it's only the miner cost which you will pay. And in the same way, we want the, to provide the platform itself, the basic infrastructure, the code, for free. And then people can decide if they want to charge a fee for the service they provide. But it will be always a service which is provided by, and, and that can be anybody. Yeah? So, uh, of course, we will provide services, but also other parties can provide services. And uh, then they can decide if they want to charge a fee or not. And um, I believe uh, fees should only be charged for services which also add a certain value. And then it's also justified to uh, to um, uh, charge a fee. But the basic platform uh, should always be open and accessible and not uh, protected by some type of fee structure. Okay, excellent. And then lastly, um, with Etheris being a platform that others are developing insurance products for, I noticed on the website you have different products that are listed there. And it's my understanding that some of those aren't ones that you guys specifically developed and offered. Um, with that being said, is this more like a white level, white label type of service where they can solicit their own insurance through their own platforms with you as a back end, or are you also going to um, list such services on your website as Etheris products? I, I ask from a liability perspective: Should a project use your platform if it gets advertised as Etherisk and something goes awry with it? Would that bring down the credibility of your platform, knowing you had nothing to do with the actual execution of that particular insurance product? Yes, of course. That's, that's a, a very good point. Um, uh, basically, we are building this open platform. Anybody can launch their products on the platform. But if I say anybody can, uh, then, of course, uh, that does not exclude that we do some uh, due diligence. Yeah. Um, for example, in my vision, uh, the management of the platform, the management of the platform itself, is not only code, but it's also deployed code. Yeah. So we we are speaking of uh, so-called GIF instances. Yeah. An instance of the GIF is a complete deployment of the smart contracts on a specific chain. For example, there's one deployment on XDAI. There could be a different deployment on Polygon a third deployment on Ethereum mainnet. So these would then be different instances of the GIF. And on each instance, you can uh, uh, deploy an arbitrary number of different products from different parties. And in my vision, uh, for each of these instances, there will be a DAO, so uh, uh, um, a decentralized uh, autonomous organization, which is, uh, um, which consists of the uh, the product owners of uh, the platform. Yeah, so imagine you have flight delay, hurricane insurance, crop insurance, and you would have three participants. These three participants would form a DAO, and this DAO would then take the responsibility to approve new products on this platform. And uh, so they will guarantee that only uh, products which are legit and which are, um, of course, compliant with uh, uh, 
some legal framework that they will be launched and there will not be any malicious products on the platform. And uh, so that's the idea uh, to have uh, Deus as we call it instance operators. Yeah? An instance operator is an entity which is responsible for one GIF instance. And this, this instance operator should be Deus which control who is active on this specific instance and who take care that um, the, the reputation of the whole project is always maintained. Uh, so that's the idea. We will not, uh, we, we hope that we can step back. And uh, of course, in the beginning, we are taking the responsibility to, to give it a start. Uh, but in the same way, like for example, the maker, uh, Foundation is uh, gradually going back, or you have read about Shapeshift. Yeah, Shapeshift is also decentralizing the whole infrastructure. They are, they as a project initiators, they are stepping back step by step, uh, and they are handing over the responsibility to the community. And that is something what we also want to do. So uh, we, we want to give it a start. We want to launch it, but then as soon as the platform and the community is in a good shape, then we want to hand over the responsibility to these DAOs and uh, so uh, to go this final step to a real decentralized uh, insurance platform. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you, the uh, base base team, for having him on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Sapper. Thank you for coming on, Sapper. What's going on, Saknug? United States of America right now. Um, I got a real quick and easy uh, question for you, um, and it's just regarding what is um, Etheris' largest um, regulatory concern um, in the United States? Um, one short sentence, the United States are difficult. <laughs> it's so, so simple, yeah? It's difficult because you have 51 uh, independent states which have their own insurance regulations. And if you want to apply for a license, then you have to apply for a license in each of these uh, states. And that's actually um, a real tedious process. And we have currently no direct plans to uh, go through this process. So we are, we are more looking in legal frameworks which are more flexible. For example, we, we have this uh, very nice framework in Germany where we can actually uh, launch products without having an insurance license. Uh, this is great. It works in Germany, but it won't work in, uh, for example, in the US. Uh, the people in Puerto Rico are uh, doing a similar approach. Uh, we have uh, another team in Hungary, which is currently exploring this uh, for flight delay. And uh, so I think for each of these countries, you need a different approach. And uh, actually, we are not the experts in the US. Uh, so uh, insurance products based in the US are not uh, very high on our agenda. And I think uh, also um, comparing the possible uh, merits uh, of having such a license and the possible costs, which are huge, uh, it's currently not a very good deal. So uh, we are doing this in other markets and which does not prohibit you to buy an insurance policy, for example, for flight delay. Uh, you as a US customer, you can of course uh, buy a flight delay policy in, um, uh, which is uh, where the legal uh, entity is based in Germany. 
that's no problem. Uh, what we cannot do, we cannot uh, launch a, use, a huge distribution network in the United States. That's the only thing what's not possible currently. But uh, there are other uh, topics which we want to do. So currently, as I said, it's not so high on our priority. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, so kind of just to, to lead into to that question, just so even if someone was inclined to um, go state by state and get all the regulations in the United States to provide um, hurricane insurance for, say, the East Coast, um, mm -hmm. you would say, like, at this point, the regulations and the, the hurdle is, is too high. Yeah, at, at least for us, yeah. So maybe there is a, there are people in the U.S. who have experience and connections. Uh, there are, for example, fronting companies in the U.S. which uh, provide uh, licensing uh, for uh, products. And so we, we, we know there are ways to solve this problem, uh, but um, maybe even on an affordable base. But uh, we would need a specified team which has experience so if you if you have any idea how this could be done, uh, then we could of course support you uh, on the technical side and, uh, with all these other stuff. Uh, but we would need um, a team which is based in the U.S. and which would uh, just take care of this and also have maybe the uh, the um, distribution network which is necessary to make this a success. So that relationship would would mirror something similar to Arbor Africa, you would say. Exactly. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's exactly. really awesome. Well, um, that's really all the questions I got. Um, thank you for your hard work. Can't wait to uh, stake my dip in the risk pools. Okay, you're welcome. Thanks for coming on, Sacknug. Appreciate you, man. Um, I don't have any other requests right now. And if anyone else has questions for Christoph while he's on, feel free to request. Give it a few seconds. Nope. Okay. <laughs> well, Christoph, really, really appreciate you taking the time out uh, to come on the base space. This has been really, really informative. I, I personally learned a ton. I don't know about you, Chase and Super. Yeah. That was great. Speaking to you. Thank you so much. Uh, I was uh, feeling very honored that uh, you invited me. It was uh, great fun to uh, talk to you and all these uh, participants. Great questions. Uh, it's always nice for me to talk about it. And uh, yeah, maybe we can continue this uh, in the near future. Of course. Thank you for taking your time out. And uh, Base Space welcomes you anytime. Okay. See you soon. And bye-bye. See you, Christoph. Thanks. Thanks to all the listeners. Appreciate you all taking the time out to come on and uh, hear what we had to say. See you all later. Stay base. Everybody stay base. <laughs> <laughs> stay base. Thank you.